Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, February 14th, 2021, and we're continuing our Dialing In During Dark Days series this morning. Look, let's all turn to Luke chapter 12. We're jumping right into scripture. Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Somebody say distinction when you get there. Luke 12 and verse 32 says this, do not be afraid, little flock. Let there be no fear on the inside of you, no faithlessness. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom has been given to you. It's been bestowed in this place. It is, God is showing it to us through maximizing our marriages, as we're perfecting our parenting, as we're securing our singles, as we're working towards multiplying ministries here in this house. You can see it. You can hear the prophecies that come forth that God has been pleased. Somebody say, God is happy. God is happy. He's been pleased to give us the kingdom. As we're looking at distinction... And reflecting on this verse, isn't it good to have a heavenly father who gives us good gifts? Oh, amen. Gives us revelation, gives us better footing to build our homes on, and gives us the ability to see just how absurd some things are happening in our day and time. Look, uh, every service we're getting up to preach and knowing that there's going to be something hot and fresh off the press that's happened in the past few days that we just can't help but let you know how dark our days are. So, this is a new one. According to Brighton and Sussex University Hospitals, NHS Trust, a teaching hospital located in the United Kingdom, they're now instructing midwives and their staff to a speech that is more trans-friendly trans-friendly speech in, in these hospitals, teaching hospitals. So what they will teach in addition to the practice of medicine are these terms, and one of them is that no longer will there be the term breastfeeding. No longer breastfeeding. Instead, it is being altered, maligned, to the term chest feeding. <laughs> chest feeding, yes. So 10 years from now, there'll be a little boy or girl in the UK and more likely in the US as well, and they'll proudly strut around and let everyone know that they were chest fed as a baby. <laughs> chest fed, not by breast milk, but instead, chest fed by human milk. Chest fed by chest milk or milk from the feeding parent, right? Because now their terminology will no longer include the term woman, but it will be altered to person or the feeding parent. As opposed to now the father, the father who is now just known as the parent, co-parent, or second biological parent. Well, I'm glad there's not a third. <laughs> second biological parent. Congratulations, Mr. Piro. You are now officially the proud second biological parent of this nondescript entity before us. Exactly. You contributed just 12 or so of the total DNA required. 
Their efforts are to be gender inclusive. And by that, I mean less than 1% of the patients that will be engaged in the labor and delivery process. Well, that brings us to a whole nother uh, altering of terminology within this teaching hospital, that maternity services are now to be called perinatal services. Not the labor and delivery ward, not the birthing center, not anything that makes it very uh, apparent that there is a biological difference between men and women, but to make it all inclusive. So let me get this straight. You have a woman who wants to be a dude that's giving birth like a woman. A dude giving birth, kind of. At, the days are growing even more dark, but that should give us hope to know that we are standing on the rock of God's truth, and we're not taken by surprise by any of this. Now, this is a quote from this institution, the reasoning why they're making all these changes of terminology. They say inclusion promotes equity and safety for everyone, not just for marginalized people, but making everybody feel reflected in a midwife's recommendations and in a way that values the human rights of everybody, end quote. Unfortunately, in my brain, there's a song that's going on right now. And I'm changing the lyrics as we do it. It's no longer that a dude looks like a lady. <laughs> it's that a dude births like a lady. <laughs> Look, we could see the darkness of our times. We want to remind you that on Friday, we actually began our Perfecting Our Parenting series. We spoke to you about the inclusion and the tolerance that was being pushed on your children. What you're seeing now, it's not just a United States phenomenon. What you should start to hear is from across the world, from across the world, the same darkness that we have been looking at, considering it just in our land. In the UK, it's just as dark. In Australia, it's just as dark. In so many different lands, it is just as dark because these are dark days. Somebody say dark days. When they're pushing for tolerance and inclusion, when they're pushing to malign the very family structure, many, many organizations are literally putting it on their websites, speaking about trying to destroy the nuclear family, a father, a mother, and their children. They're trying to destroy the very structure that God has put in. Even going as far not to just try to blur the lines between masculinity and femininity. That's been an attack that's been for decades truthfully, for centuries. But in the last few decades, we've also seen that. Now we're no longer talking about masculinity and femininity. femininity. What we're talking about now is distorting what male and female is. Yeah. Do you see this progression of the darkness that's there? And it, it reminds me of a passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. I'll read it to you. This passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 3 is actually echoing Jeremiah. And he's saying, while people are saying peace and safety, or maybe while hospitals are teaching inclusion, equity, and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Aren't you glad that the Bible has never had a problem with male and female? It understands it very clearly and tells it. As a matter of fact, this destruction comes upon them, and they will not escape it. But the Lord is dialing us in. He's dialing us in in our discernment, and now he's dialing us in in our distinction because as we partner with him, as we are empowered by him, it creates a distinction. 
This is getting crazier and crazier. By the day, we're seeing these things, and God is helping us to dial in. And today, he's going to help us to dial in our distinction. Look, we're almost at a year point when things really begin to change in our daily lives as a result of all the pandemic and fear. Do you see how God has been empowering us to be distinct this entire time? As the days have grown darker, the light of God's truth is shining even brighter inside of us. Well, one thing I can't escape is just the overwhelming nature of cancel culture. In our ever-increasing days of darkness in this cancel culture, it's only a matter of time that our declaration of God's truth from this very pulpit will be sought after for impeachment. <laughs> nay, I tell you, nay to the powers that oppose God. What the mind of man will attempt to make us guilty of will only result in receiving acquittal from our living God. His word, his divine nature, his distinction has not escaped our hearts, and their voices will not escape the throne of his righteous judgment. Those kind of pains will come on them suddenly like a pregnant woman giving birth, and so will the judgment of God. To see this in better light. Let's go to Exodus chapter 10. We'll pick up in verse 21. Say distinction when you're there. Exodus 10, 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that the darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Relatable to our time. I can relate to that. So Mo Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered some of Egypt. Oh. Total darkness covered all. all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Look, we're capitalizing on a plague that is taking place in the succession of God judging the gods of Egypt. He's bringing about this judgment one at a time. Warning, warning, judgment, and repeating the pattern. We are here at this plague of darkness as number nine out of ten. Nine times, that, or eight times prior to this so far, that God has extended the opportunity for repentance to Pharaoh and the, and the nation of Egypt. Not eight times that God has extended his ability to free his people and it not cause further harm to the nation of Egypt. Our God is a patient God. He is just and he is righteous in everything that he does. He is perfect in the way that he handles things. Well, when this plague comes upon them, this ninth plague out of ten, it's darkness that can be felt. Much so reflected in the book of Jeremiah, in the days of Jeremiah. And let me read this to you. This is Jeremiah 13, 16. It says, give glory to the Lord your God before he brings the darkness. This is the exact same thing that God is speaking to Pharaoh because it's the exact same kind of issue at hand. The verse continues, before your feet stumble on the darkening hills, you hope 
for light, but he will turn it to utter, complete darkness and change it to deep gloom. Well, this utter darkness, this deep gloom that Jeremiah is speaking about is here falling on Egypt, all Egypt. Well, I thought all meant all. I thought it was all Egypt that was experiencing this, but yet all Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Which was in Egypt. In Egypt. In the land of Goshen. See, distinction that comes on those who serve the Lord is the result of God showing his distinction in his people. Because they were with him, he was with them. And we could say all of Egypt because where they dwelt was their portion land and where God was making his distinction in his people. So, this brings us to the title of today's sermon. His distinction is our distinction. Come on, say that with us. Say, his distinction is our distinction. Church, we want to remind you that we serve a God who is able. There is no God like our God. A God who forgives our sins, who pardons our transgressions, who helps the weak, who transforms us into actually being just like him. God is the source of true distinction. He is the source of all distinction, and his distinction can become and becomes our distinction. Now, we're going to keep working on this concept today, but I want you to start off. If you miss everything else, catch this with me today, that his distinction, he is distinct from all others in creation. He is above all, even in the council of heavenly beings. There is none like unto him. He is feared even in the heavenly realms. And this same God who is above all, who there is none like, comes in and moves on our behalf to make us be just like him. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 15 together. Exodus chapter 15. And we're going to look at verse 11. Say distinction when you get there. Who among the gods is like you? Lord, who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Church, you got to understand when you look at this off the bat, you got to remember that this is Moses. He is, a, he is writing a song. This is the song of Moses. And you know what he's saying? There's no one like our God. Who is like you, Lord? There is none among the gods that are even close to you. Do you know why? Because God had just punished the gods of Egypt. He saw it. He saw the distinction in the God that he's serving. There is no God like ours. And look what it says. Majestic in holiness. That our God is altogether unique. He is altogether distinct from the creation. He is altogether unmixed. There's nothing mixed in with him. There's no yin and the yang. There's no little bit of good in the bad. There's no little bit of bad in the good. He is completely unmixed. It's part of his defining character. That he is majestic in that holiness, in that unmixed state. And you know what that unmixed state allows him? That he can transform you rightly. He's not confused. He's not distracted. He can look at you and say, I know exactly what I'm going to do with Cody Stevens. I know exactly. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make him, and I'm going to make him just like me. And this is how Cody Stevens will be just like me, is I'm going to make him into it. He can do that with you. He can do that with me in this place. He can forgive you, pardon you, build you until you get to that. He's also awesome in glory. 
that one who dwells in unapproachable light, that one who is more awesome than all who surround him. This is the one who is awesome. Somebody say awesome. Awesome. He is awesome in his glory, that light that brings distinction everywhere he goes. He's also a wonder-working God. Now, before you're thinking about these three things in light of a, of, of a theological dissertation, that's not going to move your heart. If it does, then praise God for you. You're the only creature that I've ever met that the theological dissertation will move you like that. We're talking about the God who is walking in our midst today. That one who has sent his spirit to be amongst us. The one who is speaking to you, Miranda. That same God is the one who is, this is his character. This is the distinction that he has. This idea that he is able to bring not only acts of judgment, but he can do and do great wonders for his people. While judging one group, he is blessing another. He is showing the distinction even in the ways that he works his wonders. This is an incredible thing. This song of Moses is a song of confidence. Somebody say confidence. Confidence. How's your confidence today, church? Are you realizing that you serve this God? Do you realize that we're not just saying it and he's somewhere far off? This God who is, who is majestic in holiness, who is awesome in glory, who is working wonders, is there with you today. Amen. He's here with me today. Yes. This God is... This song of confidence from Moses should be reflected in your confidence. How can you have fear if you understand the wonder-working God that you serve? How can you have insecurities that, that like a roller coaster, you're up one minute, man, God is awesome, and then your kids get sick, and then God is awesome, and th- there is no roller coaster in this. That means there can be no roller coaster in your confidence either. Come on. That's good. That means that no matter what happens, man, I just got punched in the face. I wonder what kind of wonder he's going to do in our midst. I wonder how awesome he's going to display his glory. And he, can, he doesn't need my, my strengths. He'll get even more glory if I show my weaknesses here. He'll get more glory. Praise God, Lord, you've got a lot of room for glory in my life. I am confident in who you are. Just like Moses was confident, that was birthed from the distinction displayed in the pathway of salvation that God made at the Red Sea. The confidence that he saw in God, that distinction that he saw in God, became the distinction in Moses' life. From, I I, I can't speak, I stutter, Lord, to a man who is now eloquently singing a song of confidence about his great God. Church like Moses, we have to have confidence. Let me not say that and disperse that too much by saying we. You have to walk in confidence. You get to walk in confidence. You are able to walk in confidence because he can give you that confidence. Do you know why? Because his distinction then becomes your distinction. You are able to walk in the same kind of nature as our God because he is not mixed in anything. No, say God is not mixed. We stand here today as your pastors and we are walking in confidence. We're walking in greater confidence than we ever have had before. Confidence that God is going to fulfill his promises, complete his work in us, in our families, 
and in this church and inside of you. We're able to sing a song of confidence, Cody, about how God is going to rise up and complete the works that he started inside of us. Speaking of mixed and unmixed, I am also more confident today than I've ever been about my ethnic backgrounds. For years, I think since hours out of the womb, the question was asked, what is he? What ethnic compilation is Matt Pirro made up of? Well, thanks to my mom, and not just because she gave me birth, but for my birthday this past January, she bought me a DNA test kit. We just had to reveal, open up the sodical mystery that has been hovering over my life always. In fact, it was the very pickup line that Cassidy had for me. You have a nice smile. What are you? I like it. So we came to a point now in my life so where... So smooth, Cass. So smooth. Obviously, it worked. I had to know what is the story of my heritage. Well, as you would know and be able to determine in general, I'm mixed. I am mixed up more than just about anybody else in this room. The results came in, and what's true is that I am a man of no distinction. None. Every continent on earth was lit up as a point of origin for six generations back moving forward. It looked just like this. Just looked just like this. Where does Matt come from? Earth. So today... I stand confidently to be able to speak to you with 12.7% authority as an African-American. Yeah! Get it! 4.4% of that is Nigerian, Bim. I can also stand and speak with absolute confidence with 11.4% Asian authority. And all the Filipinos in the room said amen. I knew I loved fish sauce for a reason. And out of the remaining 75%, I can speak with mixed authority that is a compilation of a very specific region of South France, and 7.5% of that 75 is from Spain and Portugal. So, am I Mexican? Yes. Am I black? Yes. Am I something all mixed together? Yes, I am. The mystery is now solved once and forever. So who knows what happens from here? This, uh, this position of ethnic authority. <laughs> let's be honest. It doesn't give anybody true confidence or distinction, does it? I am a son of the living God before I'm anything else. I am unmixed with the spirit 
or the ways of this world, and I am uniquely 100% pure, born of the heavens. That's where my confidence comes from. We're going to do a heavenly DNA test today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll pick up in verse 4. Say distinction when you get there. Such confidence that supersedes ethnic confidence. We have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, say my competence, my competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Church, our confidence comes from the distinction that our majestic, awesome, wonder-working God bestows upon us. Our confidence is from God, but realize it is from God through Christ. That point of origin from the Heavenly Father coming through Christ, it is the fulfillment of Jesus operating as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. A higher priesthood that supersedes all other earthly and even all other ethnic bases. Jesus made a way for us through his magnificent nature. He made a way for us through his wonder-working power of obedience and sacrifice. He made a way for us through being the very image and the Son of God so that He could live and reside within us. Amen. Amen. The teleos, the end goal, the means by which it was always destined to land of the law itself was to be displayed through Jesus. The very living, breathing, walking Torah. And by that living, breathing, walking Torah, he has cut a faith-filled path just like God did with Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. Jesus has opened the way for you. He has prepared the path for you. He has directed us towards distinction, his distinction that's designed to be in you. We can be confident that we can approach him in freedom like Ephesians 3.12 says. We can be confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it like Philippians 1.6 says. We don't throw away our confidence, but we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. We say with confidence that we will follow our leaders. We will pattern our lives after them. Because it is worthy and it comes from the image of the Father in them and to us. We will continue in him so we remain confident and even unashamed at his coming. Unashamed at his return, we can lift up our heads high now and then, knowing that we have allowed his distinction to be our distinction. We have this confidence through Christ. Say through Christ. Through Christ. Through him we have this confidence. And this confidence comes through the true distinction of Christ that is now manifest in you. 
his sons and his daughters. Come on, how's your confidence today, church? Your confidence needs to be growing because our great God has, through Jesus Christ, allowed you to walk in confidence, to not throw away your confidence. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have thrown away my confidence because I forgot that it came from God through Christ into me. Man, we're going to get our confidence in the right place today because God has always been about displaying his distinction, that confidence that you should get from his distinction being displayed in you. Think about in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He caused a distinction between light and darkness, the same thing that he was doing in Goshen. He looked at a man like Noah and said that I need a man who is spiritually blameless and genetically pure. I'm causing a distinction. A man like Abraham who saw the faithfulness of his God and that same faithful distinction upon God came upon Abraham as he believed in him. God not only birthed his firstborn out of Egypt, but he also gave them his laws at Sinai that would display. Somebody say display. The laws at Sinai were designed to display God's distinction in God's people. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 6. Somebody say distinction when you get there. Somebody say distinction when you get there. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 6. Listen to what it says. Observe them carefully. Observe these decrees, these laws, these righteous decrees that God has, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Somebody say distinction. What is going to cause you to be distinct? It says your wisdom and understanding, but we know we don't have the wisdom and understanding unless we're following his laws and decrees. To the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Why? Because they're doing exactly what their father told them to do. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I'm setting before you today? Let me just put it in a different way. When you act like God, you start to look like God. When his distinction is becoming alive in you, you have the distinction that you're looking for. See, God's distinction is seen as his people's distinction. This is not something where you're going to have to labor for in, in a way of you just straining and trying. The solution here is that you follow what already makes our God distinct, and that makes you distinct. Amen. The other nations aren't necessarily seeing God. Understand what are the people of the other nations seeing. Look at verse 7. They're going to be saying things like, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? They don't even understand that it's the one true and living God. They're like, there's something about their gods. But what they're seeing is a people who are distinct, and they are inferring and rightly getting that their God must be distinct from what the ones that those other nations are serving. Do you want to be distinct in your day? Of course you do, because you're at LCM. Of course you do. But how are you going to be distinct? This striving, this straining, this fear-based faithlessness that we have on the inside of us. But what if I mess up? 
You are not big enough to mess up my God and what he wants to do. You will not dethrone him. You will not break his will as you are striving for him. You're trying. You're genuinely trying. I promise you, he is going to help you. I promise you, he is good enough to make you into what you're supposed to be. You want distinction? Then that means you need more of him. That's what's going to bring about the distinction. These distinct points are based on the righteous decrees and laws that the people followed. What was always in the heart of God is now being explained to them and is becoming in their heart. That's why he married them at Sinai. He was telling them by giving him his laws, this is what I care about. This is what makes me distinct. And I want you to have the same distinction that I have. This is who I am. You come be like me and you will be distinct. God's decrees, his will is designed to display his distinction in his people. I promise you we're going to keep working on this today. The pastor just said a very key point, a distinction in his people. Deuteronomy is speaking about which nation? Israel. To make them distinct. God chose to make his distinct nature known through the nation of Israel. That was established then, and it hasn't changed now. It is still the same. But we want to illustrate some of these decrees, these laws that are Psalm 19, reviving, giving light to the eyes. There are Hebrews 4.12, living and active. Let's go to Leviticus 19.19. 19. As you're turning to Leviticus 19, 19, I can't help but remember a trip as I see Baj and Gabe, Stevens and Gabe, my son, and the literal question was, why is Leviticus in the Bible anyway? From a minister of the gospel asked us, what's Leviticus, why is it even in there? We've got a great answer for you today. You're going to actually see one of the many, many, many beautiful things about Leviticus. Leviticus 19.19. It says, keep my decrees. And here's what they are. Do not make different kinds of animals. Amen. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Amen. Living and active. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of of material. What I want to be clear. This word is just as much a fulfillment of 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 as any other. All scripture is God-breathed and useful. This is useful. Well, understanding whom it was given to is that God laid out before his people Israel Because he always intended and designed to display his distinction through them. These are life-giving decrees. That as an Israelite, you would read this and see God's breathed word that gives you life in these things. But here's how. You have two types of animals, two types of seed, two types of cloth. Later on, it talks about using two types of weights for measurement. But it's not about something that is inferior versus superior. It's not about husbandry of animals. It's not about mixing of seed and soil. It's not about wearing two kinds of woven material on your body. God is teaching his people 
about distinction. Here's the point. The point that God is after in them, the point that God is after in us. So when you mix other kinds of things together that I haven't ordained, you lose your distinction. God is a God who is unmixed. He is holy. He is pure. That's what pure means, unmixed. He has no friendship with the world. He produces only good and righteous fruit. Well, guess what? That's what he wants you to produce, only good and righteous fruit, not husbandry and offspring because you mix with the world. He wants you to cultivate the soil of your heart with one and one only word, his word, that produces the same righteous fruit each and every time. He wants you to wear garments that are of linen, of the deeds that he has designed you to do, no mixture of other deeds outside of who he is. That in this very word, we're able to see God's heart and desire to keep his people distinct by giving them his distinction, even down to the very ethnic race of Israel themselves. That to this day, there is a DNA marker that identifies not only just if someone is a Jew, but if they are a Levitical Jew. It is a signature where it can be distinct among all others because God is about making his distinction in his people. And that if there was a blending between Israel and Gentiles, you would have such a merger, it would look like Samaria everywhere for the nation of Israel. You would have no distinction of who truly his people were and who they were not. Realize that the biblical separation and distinction of people groups goes like this. Israel and everybody else. And that's from Genesis to Revelation. There is no mixing of the two in that regard. We Gentiles, meaning everybody else, we're grafted into with Israel in these things. God's desire is that not only that his distinction is ours, but that we do not lose it by mixing it with anything else. Ooh, somebody say distinction. Does Leviticus 1919 look more beautiful to you right now? Well, I mean, why can't you plant? I mean, why can't you plant two different types of seeds in the ground? I mean, wouldn't there be uh, some symbiotic uh, purpose for it? God's saying, don't worry about that. I'm teaching you to be distinct. We are, we are people who have our clothing, and it's nothing but mixed fabrics together. Why? Because we, we are trying to see and take the best properties of both. We want the coolness of this and the flexibility of this. God is not interested in you trying to maximize what you think you need to do. He's saying, learn from my distinction. I promise you, this is going to be better. Yeah. Your garments in Revelation are not some uh, 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 blend of other materials. They are singularly showing you that the righteous deeds have a singularity to them. You're going to be dressed in linen because that's all that you need to be dressed in. I promise you, this is going to work out. And when you really are distinct, when you really, really are distinct, it is, we love it. You and I, the people of God, we love to be distinct. We start going, <laughs> Yeah, we can see clearly. We're not stumbling around in the darkness like the other people around us. But the people around us hate the distinction. Yeah. Think about Esther chapter 3. Turn there quickly with me. 
Esther chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'm so glad Pastor said what he said. That we're going to be dressed in an unmixed garment of righteous deeds when we're resurrected. And we don't have to wear polyester. <laughs> we have heavenly <laughs> garments to wear. <laughs> glad you said polyester, not spandex. Here we go. Esther chapter 3, <laughs> verse 8. It says this, then Haman said to King Xerxes, there's a certain people dispersed amongst the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. See, there's a, <laughs> King, you got this problem. Let me tell you what your problem is. Your problem is that there are people who are not um, mixing with us. They're keeping themselves separate. Their customs are different. Yep. And their customs are different from all the other people groups. They do not obey the king's laws. Really? Huh, that's, that's an interesting jump that they just went for. He has been truthful so far. They jumped here. They're not, they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. Wow. I can assure you. That you can see your level of distinction by how well the world can accept you or not. How well your family is accepting you or not. If they don't love the Lord, how are they possible? How is it possible that they're still deeply in love with you? See, there becomes a distinction. God's decrees had become such a way of life. Somebody say way of life. For his people that even a thousand years later, from the time of Leviticus to the time, approximately to the time of Esther, that their distinction remained. Come on now. We're not talking about a quick moment of distinction. We're talking about a way of life that produces constant and growing distinctions in us. But a distinction produces a hatred from the world system. They hate distinction. I mean, think about Romans. It says the sinful mind is hostile towards God. When was the last time somebody was hostile to you? Over your righteousness. Over your distinction. This is not about whether your personality is antagonistic or not. It's about whether you're walking in distinction or not. That sinful mind is hostile towards God, and people respond to you in a way, and you're like, what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Praise God. You just showed a moment of distinction. Amen. Praise God. Something in the spirit, in your spirit, did not sit right with them. We cannot be mixed and looking to be able to say, I want to have good relations with everybody. No, we're looking to make an impact because the kingdom of God has been given to us. And that kingdom may be at war with the person that you're talking to. And that distinction should be actually settling to our soul. See, we're not talking about procedures. We're talking about God's people being distinct because they're following the way of life that God has described that God has described in his distinction and is now giving to them. Say, God is distinct. And he wants us to be distinct. The truly distinct God was so interested in creating a truly distinct people group that he appointed men. He appointed from among the nation of Israel brothers that would serve as a means of displaying his distinction. So that people could see what it was like to be distinct. They could be taught how to remain distinct by having confidence in their God. And by rightly following the way of life that his distinct decrees mandated they should. 
and now define their very distinction. Let's look at this in Exodus, I mean, sorry, Ezekiel 44 and verse 15. Say distinction when you're there. Let me hear you in the back, Marlon. There we go. But the Levitical priests, who are descendants of Zadok, and who guarded my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me, are to come near to minister before me. They are to stand before me to offer sacrifices of fat and blood, declares the sovereign Lord. Well, let's look at the original calling of Levi. You know the word Levi means attached? And we see that function displayed when you have the, the golden calf worship at the, the foot of the mountain. That Moses makes the call for those to come near to him on the side of God to begin to issue the judgment of God. Levi walked in their function as a tribe, attached themselves to Moses. They stood with God and Moses above all others. They became a distinct tribe within the nation of Israel, but it's for the purpose of representing God's distinction and not their own. The distinction they received at Sinai was carried over in their distinction here to watch over God's word, to guard the, the, the covenant and the sanctuary that was there. Their function continued, but it was founded upon God's distinction becoming their distinction. Here, the correction of the priesthood is to bring Israel back to the same point of distinction that's represented in the priesthood. That God's aim the whole time through these men who are attached to God and attached to leadership is to give a representation what everybody else can be. It wasn't a separation from you can have the same right distinction of God's character in you displayed in the priesthood. I love how in this verse that the priests, because they've guarded his sanctuary, are able to draw near. What a distinction. That the sons of Zadok specifically were able to draw near. Even amongst the priests, there became a distinction. Those who could actually be allowed to draw near and those who weren't able. Look at verse 23 of the same passage. Ezekiel 44 and verse 23. They are to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. What is the job of a priest? What are the priests constantly being moved towards? Why must they watch over his word? Why must they guard the covenant? Because they are the ones responsible to teach the people the difference between the holy and the common. And show them how to distinguish between unclean and clean. The job of the priest is to teach distinction. This is holy, this is common. This is clean, this is unclean. That is the job of the priest. The reason that he is able to teach this distinction is because the distinction of the Father came upon this priest and he began to engage with that and then was able to teach other people. All right, so let's move from the idea of just the priest here in Ezekiel to the priest here in this room. Your job, your singular job as a priest in your home is to teach between what is holy and what is common. Somebody say holy. Holy. 
Somebody say common. common. Isn't it interesting? He'll say here clean and unclean in just a moment. But here he's not saying even holy and unholy. Oh, that's the implication for sure. But the priest is supposed to teach between what is holy and what is common. What in your life is just common right now? Yeah, we, we, yes, we want to be holy, but what in your life is common? Because there's supposed to be a difference. Of course there's a difference between clean and unclean. If it's unclean, don't do it. If it's clearly sinful, stop doing it. There's your deep theological moment from Pastor Wade today. You know what God says about sin? Don't. But is that really the problem that most of us are struggling with? It's between what's holy and what's common. Everybody say common. common. What lacks distinction is that which is common. What his, when his distinction has become your distinction, you are able to determine what is common in your life. What if the commonality of it looks like safety? What if it looks like just being okay? What if it's not as wicked as you think? It's just become common because the distinction in the priesthood is to teach you the difference. To teach you the difference between holiness and commonness. When you are being common in your household, you are lacking holiness. You are lacking being unmixed. You are lacking a distinction, but that's what the priests were for. What we saw given in the law, we need people to actually live this out so that they can teach others how to do it. God is so sharing his will, his word, his decrees with people. Why do you think we're talking to you about multiplying, about maximizing your marriages? Because we're trying to teach you there's some common practices that we have to get rid of so you can get to what's holy and distinct. Why are we perfecting our parenting? Because we don't want you to be common parents. Amen. We want you to be holy, empowered, yes. divine, distinct parents in here. Why are we securing our singles? So that they know what holiness is and they know what commonness is and they run towards the holiness of distinction. Why are we multiplying our ministries? We're building all of these things to multiply your holiness to multiply what you are able to do and the distinction that comes from that it's got to be more than recognizing a difference between the two <laughs> anybody ever failed to pull out your cards when you actually needed them i have them in my pocket i put micah 7 18 through 20 it's now on the top of mine but you know what my problem is sometimes? I don't pull it out when I actually need it. I know that I should. I can recognize a difference, but in that moment I've become common. Mm. At least that's just me. No, no. I'll take that one on the chin. That's, that, that's me. Yeah, it's us. It's you. What we're doing is we're creating a distinction because the closer that we get to him, see, when you're a priest, you have to let his distinction be your distinction because the people around you are counting on learning what distinction is like. Come on, priest in this house. Come on, priesthood. We're going to not only perpetuate a priesthood, but we're going to perfect it here in this place Amen. because we're going to increase our distinction today. Doesn't the presence of 
priesthood that's right with God give you confidence? Jesus as our high priest gives us confidence. Men, you in the household, when you are operating as the priest that God designed you, it gives you the rest of your household confidence. And confidence to do this very thing, to draw near. Confidence to come close. Let's look at Psalm 148, verse 13. Say distinction when you're there. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants, Israel, the people close to his heart. The people that have come near, that have drawn near. You know, Zechariah 2 speaks of Israel as the apple of his eye. That very thing that no other finger can touch, safeguarded, protected. As we see in Israel and can see for ourselves, when you're keeping his distinct decrees, you become his treasured possession, just like Exodus 19 speaks about. As you draw close to him, you become more distinct, becoming like him. The distinction we're after is found in our drawing near to him, in our closeness to him. It's not found in your intelligence. Your distinction is not found in your talent. Your distinction comes from drawing close to the living God so that his distinction becomes your true distinction. You can rest assured that what you are do desiring is found by getting closer and drawing near to your heavenly father. Why did God choose David? How did God choose David? You can think about it in, I think it's Psalm 78. He chose him and Psalm 89 as well. There's multiple places that it speaks about it. He chose David from the sheep pens. Why? So that David would shepherd his people. Not only that he would rule his people, but he would be a man who understood that that he was trying to lead people that he wanted to be close to, the people close to God's heart. So he chose a man like him. He chose a shepherd and said, you know what it's like to draw close. You know what it's like to lay your life down and be close to those that you're leading. This idea is seen in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, when God says, I'm going to choose shepherds after my own heart. What is God saying? He desires to be close to you today. That distinction that comes, not from your striving, not from just your yearning, but from a proximity as you get close, as you are intimate with God, He transforms you. Yes. He wants to be close to you. Yeah. I can't tell you how many days in my life I've been striving. I've been striving to do it better. I've been keeping myself awake at night just to try a little bit harder, and maybe God will want me more. I'm just going to try a little bit more. What if I don't try hard enough? Maybe he won't come through. I've got to try harder. I've got to strive and try. And that's not the point, my friends. The point is, is I need to be surrendering to him. The point is, is I need to get close to him. Everything I need is found as I draw near to him. There are some of us who are so afraid that we're going to make mistakes. 
We see it in our, in our classes. We see it in our, in our times together. You're afraid that you're going to make a mistake. Just get closer to him. Amen. But what if I mess it up? Just get closer to him and you'll see what he actually thinks about it. Yeah. He's not surprised by your weakness. His value of you does not change. He paid the highest price already for you. Before you did anything, before you even turned your attention towards him, he paid the ultimate price. Why do you keep striving? Draw close. When you draw close, he transforms you. Yes. The only striving that I need to do is just to strive to get close to him. I'm not worried about making more. You want to talk about having your confidence grow? Yeah. When you get closer to him and you realize, yeah, you promised it to Israel and you're going to make it happen. You've promised it to the men in this room and I can see it in them and you're making it happen. Oh my goodness, maybe if I quit focusing on what I don't have and just press into you, then it all works out Amen. better. How is it that we can be people who God continually speaks to over and over and over again? He continually moves you. Is anybody worse in your spiritual condition today than you were three years ago if you've been here in this place? Not at all. Is there anyone in the last 12 months that you haven't grown significantly in the Lord? Then why are you still striving as though that didn't happen? Because you're focused on what you don't yet have. But the secret is, is you already have it all. You do. You have him. The distinction that you're trying to get to is just from drawing close to him. Not your faithless efforts. Oh, what, a, what a strange combination of words. In my life, I have had many, many efforts, but many of them generated from a faithlessness inside of me. If only I can work harder, maybe somebody will love me more. If only I can work harder, maybe I can prove that he can do something with me. How about we step up with faith-filled demeanor, a faith-filled distinction that says, this is not resting on my shoulders. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. His word is not so far that I can't get to it. As a matter of fact, his word is already in my mouth. What am I looking for? He's already given it to me. Yeah. He's fed it to me. He has nurtured me. He has moved my, me and my family beyond my wildest dreams since I've been here in the last six and a half years. Yeah. Why would I think for a second that he won't finish it? He is going to finish it enough because he is a distinct God. This gives me the confidence to walk in the way, to be the priest that I'm called to be because I'm going to draw close to him. Maybe the answer that you need today is just drawing closer to him. Not maybe. I'm 100% confident. Yes. I am 100% confident that what you need is not striving more. I'm confident that what you need is to step forward and say, I will be distinct because my God is distinct and he will give me his distinction. His distinction will be my distinction. He will work in my family. He will work in my calling. He will work to fulfill his good pleasure in me. I didn't pick me. He picked me. So he will finish it. Come on, let a confidence rise in you to draw close today. That you can draw close to him. That it's his job to say, they're close to my heart. I want them close. That's why I'm picked shepherds. 
That's why I pick men who understand and who are close to me because that's what I want with you. Everybody say, draw close. Accurately put by Pastor Wade, drawing close, it eliminates faithlessness. It eliminates faithlessness and it brings to life faithfulness. You become less self-conscious, you become more God-conscious. That drawing close process is taking your eyes off of yourself. You begin to put it on him. Then everything gets in right order. Then perspective is made exactly what it should be. Then you can see how God is giving you his distinction, how it's already there within you. You have his divine nature already inside of you. You have Abigail traits that God has already put inside of you. And when you are drawing close, those things are coming to life. God is helping our church experience and master the miracle at the labor. He's helping us know how to rightly get to that point where we are experiencing a renewal, a rebirth of who we already are. The distinction of who God is that's already within us. And the walk in confidence in it. Church, this is what we mean by having a God who'll turn your weaknesses to strength. How does that happen as you draw close? This is what we mean by having a God who becomes and helps you to become powerful in battle. This is how you do this. As you walk forward in confidence, we crush all the faithlessness that really resides in us. And we allow him to transform us in that distinction that he brings. Look. Romans 8, 37 says this. It says, no. Say it with me. Say, no. no. What are we saying no to? <laughs> We're saying no to the faithlessness. We're saying no to the striving in our own. No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Amen. Who decided that long before you ever thought about him, he was already drawing you. Can anybody think about your own testimony for just a second? Can you just think about that for a second? Can you think about how God put you with a, a godly spouse and how he was beautifully orchestrating this? Why? He could have just had you meet and say, you're going to get married. But he's intricately weaving to sh his story in your life so you can see that he loved you the whole time. His love is not what needs the revelation. It's your revelation of his love to you. Amen. I'm convinced. Church, I am completely, confidently convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future. No need to worry about the future, my friends. Nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, not even your inabilities will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord is helping us as a church. If you think about last Sunday, that, that God is empowering us. If you think about Monday night, about his faithfulness to Israel. If you think about Wednesday, when God is showing us the true distinction. When you think about Friday and God helping us in our parenting. When you think about what he's saying, what did we talk about in the parenting? We talked about many things, but one of the key focal points was that we leave room for God to move. 
are you saying that in every area of our life, God is trying to show us that we can leave room and he will move on our behalf? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Look, let's, as we look at how God leaves room to move, I just want to reference this to you. Don't turn there. Keep your focus up here. Isaiah 56 speaks about two different people groups that were outside Israel. And some of the ones that was more on the fringe of what seemed to be impossible to join in covenant with God in Israel. Eunuchs and foreigners. And there's a promise that God left room for these eunuchs and foreigners to come and bind themselves to him. That they would keep his covenant, obey his decrees and laws, joining with the commands and decrees of Israel, participating in the promises of Israel, and with Israel all the way through. God's aim and goal is that he wants to uh, have his own true distinction in all people. No one left out. Giving everyone the confidence to draw near to him, but it has to be drawing near to his distinction and his decrees. Mm -hmm. We should look at the word of God and see that as a hope that we can know how to get this right. We can know how to find confidence to draw near to God. We can receive help in our time of need. Nothing is impossible when my eyes are fixed on him, holding fast to his distinction while letting go of my own. I find freedom in that. I find the ability to walk straight into his presence. This allows us to look at any difficulty, any correction, any rebuke, any difficulty, as something that God is for us in, and he's creating the distinction that we desire. Our last scripture for the day. Turn with us to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. says this, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, everybody say confidence, confidence, since we have confidence, means that God is giving you confidence right now. It's not just something you want, it's something that he is giving to us right now. Since we have confidence, And what kind of confidence is this, Rick? It's to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest, somebody say great priest, priest. over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and in full assurance that faith brings. When you are drawing near to God, it should be with an attitude that says, I have a sincere heart and full assurance because my faith is, uh, is active right now. And that God is able to work. Full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he 
who promised is so faithful. Amen. This passage that you see on the screen in a single slide for you, the confidence that we're supposed to have is in our majestic, awesome, wonder-working God. That he's giving us a new and a living way through the teleos of who Christ is. The living embodiment of what the Torah was pointing at, of what the Tanakh was all about. That his distinction becomes our distinction. And this great high priest who gets to show us how to do it. He gets to show us the way to actually walk it out so that we are able to draw near to God. I promise you that what you need today is to draw near to him. It's to put aside any other doubts. It's to put aside any lack of confidence that may be in you and actually draw near to him. To set everything else aside and draw near so that the full assurance that faith brings is upon you. That you're able to hold unswervingly to what God has given you. Anybody need to be reminded sometimes to hold unswervingly? Unswervingly in your thoughts in a day. Dear God, I'm so glad that there's not one of those little charts that just show you like a heart rate monitor. That you just look back at the tape over the day and you see whether you held to him unswervingly or not. See, he's going to give us the confidence as we draw near to be able to do that because he is faithful. As we leave this slide up. God's word, as we said earlier, is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It is God-breathed and useful for all things. How many times have you read a scripture and it's been a gem, it has fed your soul, it has renewed your spirit, and then years after studying it, interacting with it, you find even deeper layers of meaning that addresses your heart right where you are right now. This is what happened when we began to engage this scripture, but at the end of our time of studying, God not only showed us a gem underneath the surface, but a vein of gold that began to go down to the depths of understanding. We looked at this passage, and not only did we see this progression that has outlined our entire message today, walking through each one of these things in order, we saw the character of God displayed in this passage in a chiastic form. Put up the slide of the chiastic. We saw that we begin with a confidence in Christ. And that confidence in Christ allows us access to the new and living way to go through the veil that's torn open by his body. And that he is this great and high priest that we have confidence in so that we can begin to draw near. Drawing near with a full assurance that comes from faith and interacting with the altar and the labor appropriately and resulting in an holding unswervingly to the hope because of his faithfulness to us. His faithfulness to give us his distinction that is now our distinction. So begin to stand to your feet and I'm going to show you what we're going to do with this understanding. Because we know he is faithful, it gives us the confidence to draw near, eliminating our faithlessness and building our faithfulness so that his distinction is now our distinction. When you look at this chiastic structure, not only do you see the linear path, but you see the paralleled and unparalleled truth. What begins with a confidence in Christ ends with an holding unswervingly 
to the hope that is found in his faithfulness. What is a new and living way is seen as a fulfillment at the altar and labor together. The altar is there to put to death your flesh. It is only one of seven, but there at the uh, labor, you are able to be transformed into the image of who God made you to be. And it's there with the great high priest that we have a full assurance that comes from our trust, grounded obedience to the great priest. But the unparalleled truth is what we're going to do here. That unparalleled truth is that we're going to draw near. Draw near with sincerity and a full assurance. We're going to come to the altar to draw near to him with confidence today. And a full assurance that our trust, ground, and obedience has brought to us to engage with the priest. We're exchanging our faithlessness with faithfulness. We're aiming for the miracle at the labor because our God is faithful and he's able to help us change into his distinction that has now become our distinction. Raise up your hands now. Let's begin to draw near to him with confidence and full assurance. Mighty God, we thank you for the way that you have opened up for us to draw near to you, to draw near toward your presence. Lord, we thank you for this full assurance, this sincerity that you have given us to approach who you are and to stand confidently that your distinction is now our distinction. Lord, let your presence fill this room. Let your word come more even alive inside of us. And may we rightly display who you are to the nations around us. In Jesus' name, amen.